everyone welcome to the rebels show another amazing episode um, today i'm only by myself and sharon my co-host couldn't be with us today but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be an amazing episode so i'm elad cohen i'm the co-founder of sapnia and the co-host of the rebels show and today we're talking to george carnival the uk manager of cycle of good which is a non-profit brand that we're absolutely in love with It's a non-profit brand. They're not taking donations, but they are making amazing business. They're taking used coffee bags, inner tubes of bicycles, these raw materials, which in fact are waste. They're being upcycled or sent to Malawi in Africa, where they're made into beautiful products with the help of product designers, tailors, and the local population. And then everything is getting shipped back into the UK and being sold to stores already in about a hundred stores in the UK. So I met George, I think earlier this year, uh, really clicked with George. I really liked her vibe and what Cycle of Good is doing. And um, yeah, George, maybe you can say hi. Hi, um, thanks for that lovely introduction. Yeah, pleasure is all mine. So um, I'm keen to get right to it. And um, also, you know, maybe you can tell the listeners a bit about you. Uh, how did you get involved with Cycle of Good? How did you become the UK manager? Uh, maybe you can give us some background about sort of your work story life before Cycle of Good and during. Okay. I'm not sure my life is that interesting, but the project certainly has been Um, it started for me back in 2008. Um, I was the manager of a children's centre in Stoke-on-Trent, um, helping families to help their children have the best start in life. Um, and one day I got a phone call from a former colleague. He'd also been running children's centres in the UK. Um, and he phoned me up and he said, hey, do you want to come and build a children's centre in Malawi? And um, that's not an offer you can turn down, really. Um, I have a degree in international development, and I'd always thought somehow I would end up working in that area, um, although my life had gone in another direction. Um, and so after a um, year of doing a little bit of part-time volunteering with his charity called Krizovac Project, I then um, yeah, left my job. Um, my secure, well-paid job, and um, and got on a plane and went to Malawi for the first time in my life um, to help this incredible project. And his vision um, was to um, really, I guess, it's all about ending poverty. I mean, that's, that's the big mission, um, is helping these wonderful people in yeah. Malawi who have been, um, you know, very peacefully... Um, just living their own lives, um, but living in, in chronic poverty for such a long time. Um, his vision was to end poverty. Um, and he wanted to do that by creating jobs. Um, but to do that, you have to have a healthy, well-educated population of people who can become leaders and managers and create their own um, economy, I guess. 
And so the idea was to start from from the start, from conception, I guess, um, with working with the very smallest children and helping them to have the best start in life. Um, and then um, this is the tricky bit, really. That was the idea of building a children's centre was the easy bit. The tricky bit was how to pay for it. And that was the bit he didn't tell me. Um, he didn't say, yeah. right, you're going to have to help start seven or eight social enterprises in order to fund this amazing children's centre that we'd like to build. Um, and that, I guess, was the start of a philosophy, which was to, um, to, ha- to, to set up trading enterprises that would earn money, that would pay for children's services in um, a community that really, really needed it. Um, in Malawi. There's there's a bigger story to all of this. There's an awful lot of background, um, but that's the essence of it. Wow. Um, I have so many questions to ask. I don't even know where to begin. It's First of all, I love how you said so casually that um, I always knew that one day I will uh, work in Africa. And uh, someone offered you to build children's hospital and you said, how can you turn down such an offer? I, I think it's very unique you know i don't i haven't met many people who think like that so first (laughs) of all i think you know kudos to you for being so open-minded and aware about the big problems of our world and wanting to fix them and be involved and it's just uh admirable really um Um, i'm not so sure that it is i mean i can't pretend that i was you know I've been very well looked after by the charity. They made it very possible for me um, and and helped me to fit in. But um, I think um, I was I was raised to think about the bigger issues in the world. And the fact that the world is so unequal has always been keenly apparent to me. Um, and and to have the opportunity to do something about that is incredible. It's amazing. It's um, definitely something we're looking at as well. Always thinking about the biggest problems in the world and definitely, you know, the climate crisis um, is the biggest one. And out of that, there's so many problems that are contributing to that and or are stemming from that, right? It's like health and food and education and you just, you know, and sustainability, you just don't know where to begin. But yeah. And that, that's abs- absolutely yeah. the core issue is, you know, poverty and um, equality, social justice, they're huge issues. And you can't just tackle one element of it. You know, you can't, you can't have an education if you're not healthy. You can't flourish in an education if you don't have a secure and supportive environment to live in. Um, and to do that, your parents need to be earning some money. Um, and so it's it's just it is huge um and i guess that's why um the charity krizovac project have been working just with one community um you know there's incredible charities around the world um you think of water aid or amnesty international and they take yeah. one issue and they work across the world and they tackle that one issue water aid put pumps in that's what they do we do almost the exact opposite. We just work in one area, but we try to tackle all sorts of social issues um, in partnership with the local community. Got it. So you go deep, really deep in one area rather than scraping the surface in many areas. 
Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to say it's just scraping the surface. I think each uh, each approach is valid and each approach is really, really needed. Yeah. And this just happens to be our approach. Why? Why do you think that is, uh, why do you opt for this approach and not, you know, um, adopting the amnesty model, for example? Um, it's, it's, there, to be honest, I wish there was a great big strategy. I wish there was a 40-page document that outlined our ethos and philosophy and where we're yeah. going and what we're going to achieve. But that's not really how we work. Um, the why came from the vision of our trustees, who were incredible, incredible people. Um, and a lot of it came about through circumstance and meetings and um, opportunity, just little opportunities um so yeah i i wish i could answer the why <laughs> um, it just is got it i think that you know it's interesting because probably you know um for this community that I'm, i would love to hear more about um you probably are doing really meaningful work and you're changing their lives you're changing how this community looks today and will look in the future so you know maybe it is better to go deep really deep and focus right i i think yeah you're right for for chilamoni where we work in malawi um which is just a a suburb a typical suburban area of a city in malawi and um, yeah. people people move there from their villages to look for work in the city there isn't enough work because there's been very little investment in infrastructure or any kind of manufacturing or production so there's very few opportunities and that can lead to deeper urban poverty problems than they would have originally faced in the villages perhaps um, and to be there and to see um, the differences in the community is incredible um, so what 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 happened back in 2007 um, is really Krizovac went to the community and said, what do you need? And they said, jobs. We just want jobs. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, if we can work, we can look after ourselves. Um, it's really important in Malawi. There's no welfare state. So if you don't earn, you don't eat. Um, it's wow. that simple. Um, and so, um, and it, it was a group of um, local youth, I guess, said, we don't just want any jobs. We want good jobs. We want to feel valued. And we want to work in IT. You know, <laughs> they were they could see what's happening in the rest of the world. So you, and they you met the them and you, you had a chat and you got to know them a bit. I, I guess so, yeah, and um, lots and lots of meetings and connections and um, yeah, and then um, this was this was actually just before I started with the charity, and um, it, uh, Vince, who's our managing director, he um, he said, okay, let's we'll start teaching IT skills. We'll see where that goes. And then uh, another woman, Mary Camwendo, who still works with us in Malawi, um, she she came to Vince and she said, um, can I have a couple of sewing machines? Um, if I can have some sewing machines, I can earn a living and I can teach other women to sew as well. Um, and that that conversation is crucial, as we'll find out when we get on the cycle of good, I guess. Um, and Vince, he went into the local town in Blantyre and um, found a couple of old sewing machines and they were hundreds of pounds. It was ridiculous. And he thought, oh, there must be thousands of these in people's attics across the UK. Um, and he yeah. came back to the UK and he did an appeal for sewing machines and for computers. Um, 
He was living in Malawi with his family at the time and his children needed bicycles. So he went to a bicycle project in Stafford and they said they were, they were having a, a trauma of some kind because they had to move premises. And they said, we don't know what to do with these hundreds of bicycles. And Vince just said, give them to me. I'll send them to Malawi. And that, yeah. first, that first appeal, that first appeal for resources, not for money, was really, really critical because it shaped the way we work. So he filled a container full of sewing machines and computers and bikes and he shipped it to Malawi. And that started Beehive Centre for Social Enterprise, um, which is the project we're still working with today. Um, so he started an IT training school and a tailoring training school and a little tailoring workshop um, and a bicycle workshop. We, we got some training for training up some mechanics and we recruited tutors and this is where about when I came along and joined the project as well. And um, it was <laughs> the office was a cupboard in the corner of the local church hall. <laughs> and it was all very, very um, haphazard, um, but dynamic. Like I say, there was no great big five year fat plan. It was just a case of what's working now. Um, and let's let's try and do more of it. Um, and so I, I came along and I was based in the UK, apart from trips to Malawi. And part of my job was to collect these resources that people didn't need in the UK that could be recycled and upcycled and used again and given a new life. And more importantly, used to create some trading income in Malawi. Um, and it's grown and grown and grown over the years. Um, and we started branching out into other enterprises. Um, so the biggest in Malawi is actually that we have a fleet of JCBs, uh, diggers, you know, and excavators that are rented out to the construction industry in the, in Malawi. Um, Interesting. <laughs> um, I never knew that. And there, there's, there's all sorts that we do. And Beehive today employs around 500 people across all of the enterprises. Um so it's quite a big operation. There's still just um, 10 of us in the UK. Um, so we're small this side and big that side. Um, and that's the way it should be. Um, we, we've always worked, like I say, in a very dynamic way, responding to what's working, closing down something that isn't working. Um, and so, for example, the first little tailoring workshop that we started in Malawi was meant to serve Malawian business. So they were making workwear for Malawian organisations. But it just didn't work. It wasn't making any money. It was costing money. So even though it was a really tough decision, meaning that some people would lose their jobs, we had to close it down. Um, and that focus on creating income to spend it locally in the children's centre that we started um, has, has really been the driving force and the motivation. Amazing. So let me see if I get it right. There's a children's hospital that is it's being a, built. A, yeah, it's a children's center. Um, children's so center. it provides yeah, it provides daycare um, yeah. for children that wouldn't normally have the opportunity for international standard early years care. Um, and it also has a huge outreach program. Um, so we have outreach workers and you might just see somebody doing a story time in the community and think Love oh that's it. nice but actually what that person is doing is building up trust with parents and finding out what critical issues are facing that family 
and putting some support in place to help that wow. family to help their so children have the best start in life. They're using the story circle to just get closer and build relationships. Absolutely. And various other methods as well. So we have huge sporting programs, do drama clubs and debate clubs. We do adult literacy. We do just little stay and play groups and things that wow. are very uh, common in the UK and very unusual in Malawi. That is such a rich story. I'm blown away, um, <laughs> honestly. So, um, okay, let me get it right. So the Children's Center and it gets started and then uh, Vincent or a, a group of people, I guess. Team effort. <laughs> yeah, and the, they make a decision or he makes a decision to try and fund it with seven social enterprises. Okay, maybe he didn't say seven social enterprises, but the notion was, I'm not going to beg for donations. I'm going to create jobs and generate revenue to support that while also doing good to the local community. That's very unique and very bold. Um, how did that come about? Um. I guess it, it, it's just part of who we are. It's very difficult to, to pinpoint how it came about. The chair of our trustees, as a businessman, he, he's always made his money. Um, there is something um, about this model that creates more dignifying kind of transactions with people. If I, go to, if I came to you, Um, and showed you a, a photo of a poor African child. Um, I could, I guarantee you, I could make you put your hand in your pocket and give me some money. Mm. Um, but you would not feel good about giving me the money. You'd be giving me that money probably to make me go away. Maybe to make yourself feel a little bit better as well, let's be honest. I'd feel bad because I'm asking you for that money. Um, and then I'm going to give that money to people in Malawi who then feel bad because they're having to sit with their hand out accepting money. That, yeah. that, that it, don't get me wrong, donations work in certain situations. In an emergency situation, it's absolutely vital and necessary mm -hmm. that we respond to appeals um, because you can't, you can't plan for earthquake, earthquakes or droughts or floods. Absolutely. But in a normal development situation, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked um, it, over the last, you know, hundred years of, of, of development in Africa or however long. It, it's, it's, it's not worked for people there. They want to work. They want industry. They want opportunity, the same as everybody else does here. Um, so by collecting resources like old to start with as i say old sewing machines and bicycles and things like that and then sending those resources to malawi and saying right you fix them up you do them up that's your job now and you sell them and you have to make money out of them um because that money has to has to sustain this children's center that that's much more powerful then there's opportunities for training there's opportunities for employment There's also increased accountability to make sure the money is used really, really wisely. Um, because if you, you know, if you've got to make your own money, you make it count. Um, mm. And so there's very, very little wastage. Um, and it just, it, it's a better way of working. It, like I say, it's, 
it's a series of kind of dignifying transactions rather than a handout. Very interesting. So um, on the flip side of it, it's a very interesting donation model, right? You're saying it's a better way to um, help the local population. It's a better way if you want to donate or participate or empower a certain population in some way, this is a better way. And it's a better way for you as an organization to be more accountable. Um, I'm looking at it from a different angle and it's even as a brand, um, it creates a brand story. And we, that's what we talk about at Sapia all the time. And we think mm -hmm. that um, describing situation today, the world is noisy, right? Wherever you go, everything is online. And it's really hard to stand out. Just really, really hard. doesn't matter what you do, right? And you go on social media, you join a marketplace, you start your website, but people are not necessarily going to pay attention. But what do they pay attention to? Suddenly, when you tell them a story, And it's not like um, um, a story that necessarily has to make you want to cry and reach your hand out, but it's a story that resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Then they listen and they start leading in. And because of that, they also buy because that product describes that story and it creates a feeling and they can share that story. And looking at cycle of good and everything that you do that is so unique, You also have a unique brand story and we view it as part of your success. I would love to hear your take on it. How do you think it helped you with knowing or without knowing in your brand building journey? Mm. I love it when you use phrases like brand building journey. Um, <laughs> I don't think I ever, I ever thought we were creating a brand. Um, I, I have no experience in sales and marketing whatsoever. Um, for me, it's a means to an end. I think um, what, what's essential is, is to be authentic, is to have a genuine um, cause that you're working for. Uh, but I think equally essential for us, certainly with Cycle of Good, is that the products are good. You know, we've got to sell something people want um, and, and that's good quality and that's going to last and that's not going to add to all the Am I allowed to use the word tat in the world? <laughs> um, or the, you know, there's a, like you say, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of stuff. Um, and so yeah. the cycle of good, it was about, um, it was, it's our, really our first UK trading enterprise because all of our enterprise activity has been in Malawi um, prior to this. Um, and it was, it was, I guess, reaching a point where we needed to, generate more funds so that we could do more work um, and to do that we had to look to ourselves and look at what resources we had um, and to absolutely align that to the goals of the charity to create jobs in Malawi um, and so Cycle of Good just really pulled all of that together and I guess we're lucky in a way that we've got that backstory Um, because it, it has helped us, like I say, with no marketing experience to speak of at all, although a very, very, very good team of people around us who do have an awful lot of experience. Um, <clears throat> I guess it was the culmination of an awful lot of elements of the project coming together 
And and I just feel very lucky that we've got the story to tell. Um, and I think it must be very difficult for other brands who who are doing good, but coming from a starting point, if you see what I mean. I think we're just very lucky to have the history behind us. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. There's one thing that, you know, I don't want to say I disagree with, but we... Um, we really studied it and we tried to think, why do people buy in the first place? Why would you buy anything? Now, in today's world, there's no more commodity. That concept is dead, basically, because everything has alternatives and they're all accessible to you uh, in the Western world, that is. Mm-hmm. So even if you want rice, there are brands of rice. Even if you want a belt, there's a million brands you can choose from. It's all online, right? You just type it on Google or go to Amazon or I don't know, wherever. Um, Point being, to really buy from someone, it's always about you. You tell yourself a story. Either it's about uh, you feeling good about the price or the quality or the status of the brand or because you want to feel a sense of belonging with that community. For example, take Apple products or Harley Davidson. You buy to join a certain club, right? Mm-hmm. And we looked at your story and, you know, not only your story, when, when you're doing craft, when you're selling something that is handcrafted, a big, big part of why you buy the product Part of it is the quality because you know that people have worked on it. But I don't think that's where the secret is. I think people eventually really buy because because of that story. Because, um, for example, you're selling a belt. They could get a leather belt or a plastic belt or I don't know. There are other options out there. They don't have to go to you, but they go to you for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, we claim that that reason is the story. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. Um, I mean, I guess with our products, there's the, the product itself intrinsically has some selling points. Um, you know, they're strong or they're vegan or whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, but yes, it's it's the feedback we get from the customers is that, they want to, it, it is about a, a feel-good purchase, but it's it's more than feeling like you've contributed. It's feeling like you're part of a bigger world, you know, you're connected somehow. Yeah, it's like uh, almost you're begging to be asked, where did you get it from? And then you're <laughs> going to tell them the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got it from Cycle of Good. Mm-hmm. Do you know that it's, it's upcycled? Do you know that it's made in Malawi? Do you know that they work with local population? Do you know that it's sponsoring a children's center? And then when you tell that story as a purchaser, as a buyer, it says something about you. Someone listens to you and he's like, ah, oh, wow, this person, he cares mm-hmm. about that stuff. Yeah. So it's not about Cycle of Good anymore. Once, the buy, once someone buys it, it becomes their story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that, that's powerful. It, it is powerful. And I, I, I guess I don't spend much time thinking about that, you know, because we, <laughs> we're operating in a marketplace the same as everybody else. And we have the same challenges, you know, this year. Wow. 
the challenges this year have been huge for everybody. Um, And so a lot of the time, we're just running around chasing our tails, you know, making sure we've got enough stock and that we've we've got labels, (laughs) that we've got the best postage prices we can get and all the normal things that are affecting the business. And and actually, it's, it's probably doing me good this morning to sit and think about the story as well and how we tell that. Oh, brilliant. So we we view it as almost like a spectrum. And we did like a lot of research and we saw that companies, you can almost um, imagine a spectrum. And on the left side of it, there will be companies that um, are more transactional, right? It's like a, a wholesale agent. They don't mm-hmm. care what they sell. Uh, a marketplace. They don't care about what products are being presented. And on the other end of the spectrum are companies that are mission-driven. It's not about the product, but it's about a mission. Mm-hmm. And you're probably closer to the far right end of the spectrum. Where <laughs> That's the first time anyone said that to me. <laughs> no, for real, because if you think about it, um, it's almost, you know, you have several initiatives and businesses, but it doesn't matter. You're, you're saying we're going to close it if it's not going to work and we're going to do something else. But we know what our mission is. It's yeah. to end poverty. And yeah. we're focusing on one community at a time. Right now, it's in Malawi, in one community. And this is what we do. So that mission dictates everything that you do. There are very few companies in the world that operate according to those guidelines of being mission-driven. Tesla is one of them. Um, Oatly is another one of them. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know Oatly, from the food industry. Uh, we yeah. love talking about them and studying their case. Really interesting. And um, just like, maybe you haven't thought of yourself in those terms, but just as being effectively a mission-driven organization, um, how do you feel that sort of helps you navigate your day-to-day as a North Star? Um, <clears throat> Does it help? Yeah. On a, I mean, a daily question when I'm decision-making is for, and this is for me personally, and the rest of the team may have different ways of working, but for me personally, if I'm making a decision, the question is, how does this benefit a child in Chilamoni? Um, and that's the position yeah. I start from. Um, so if, if I can't answer that question positively, then then it really does inform the way that we that we work. Um you know, it's, it's, like I say, it's, I guess it is a, a brand now and it is out there and that's really exciting. Um, but if we deviated from what we were trying to achieve um, in order nah, just to grow that, then it wouldn't make sense. It, it has to be about driving the funds in the right direction. I don't feel like I explained that very well. No, you do. So like if there's... Um conflicting decisions or disputes or confusion or um, overload of work, the way to prioritize is by asking that very, that question, how is it benefiting a child in Malawi? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. uh, So powerful. It's, it's a simple focus really. Um, And, and it leads to lots of complications, Um, but I don't know any other way of working. Um, you know, I, 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 like I say, I've not come from a 
a kind of marketing or sales or or product background in any way, shape or form. Um, it's it it it's all a means to an end to me, but the means has to be a positive process too. Um, I think that's really really important. Um, you know, in in I guess. Um, the start of the actual cycle of good enterprise. Um, it, that that was an interesting process as well because we we wanted to break down barriers for trade. So I mentioned earlier that we'd we'd started a little tailoring workshop um, yeah. so that there were jobs for women who had done their tailoring diplomas, um, and it didn't work because it was serving a Malawi. Um, customer base and really there's no money in Malawi so it, it just was never going to work and we wanted to help um, break down barriers so they could access international markets um, and lots of other good people have done that in, in other ways um, in Malawi so Malawi does have some agricultural industry so it will it exports tea and sugar and and coffee, and they're very traditional industries, um, and that's where the bulk of people are employed in Malawi. But it's it's not particularly well paid or dignifying work, and tends to be owned by you know foreign owners. Um, not that I'm doing it down because it's vital work. Um, but what we wanted to do was um, help get some Malawian production into the international marketplace, and we knew we had to develop a product range that would appeal to the Western audience, if you like, or the developed world audience. Um, we didn't want it to be a kind of kitchen, tabletop type production. Um, I, I'm sure you've seen uh, across Africa, there's beautiful, beautiful um, traditional wax print fabrics, you know, the African fabrics that you can yeah. see everywhere. And, and we did start this way for very, very briefly, you know, making mm. bags and, and things out of that kind of fabric and it looked very African. And and but that wasn't the way we wanted to go. We wanted to develop the, for example, the wallet that you would just buy because you just need a wallet, not because it's recycled, not because it was made in Malawi, but just because it's a good wallet. And and that was a very purposeful direction for cycle of good was. Let's let's take Africa, Malawi out of this. Let's just make things people want to buy. Um, but then we've got this personal drive and passion about recycling and helping the planet as well. And we'd been involved with the bicycles because of elephant bike, um, which is a whole other story. Um, and that gave hmm. us access to the inner tubes and that sort of started cycle of good. We send materials that would have otherwise gone to UK landfill. We, we put those materials in the containers with our donated resources like the bicycles. So we load a container full of bicycles. We shovel the inner tubes in the gaps between the bicycles. They go to Malawi. They're processed. They're made into products that you want to buy. Like I say, hopefully because you want to support the project, but mainly because you just want a good product. Um, so we always wanted our product to be first and our story to be second. Um, and 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 I think that's the way we're going. What we're learning as we go along the way is we need to tell the story because, like you say, people want more than a product. They want they want to be part of the story. They want to be part of the community. 
Um, and I yeah. guess in today's world with social media and immediate interactions and and everything being so close, you know, it's it's you know I, we can our, our tailors can be tweeting photos of themselves at work, you know, there's, yeah. while they're while they're making these things, we get our our customers can talk directly to the projects in Malawi if they want to via social media. All of these things are possible. Um, and so that means people can connect quite deeply and quickly as well um, and see the authenticity of your story. Have you, um, I'm curious to know, I guess you got to know a few of the women or men in Malawi that have worked for you or with you. Um, did you see how their life transformed thanks to being involved with you? Do you remember like one story in particular, something that touched you? Mm. Um, so many stories, you know, I mean, just having a job in Malawi is, is so important and so vital. Um, it's, it's really difficult to, to think of one particular story, um, because it's just so many. Um, we, um, a large part of my job, certainly in the early days was to recruit, um, volunteers to go out to Malawi. Um, never, never short placements. Never going out and painting classrooms. Malawians can do that for themselves. We we yeah. recruited a lot of skilled expert people who went out to Malawi and did training. Um, and a couple in particular spent a couple of years out in Malawi, training early years workers and daycare professionals um, to help to run the children's centre. Um, so we recruited 125 Malawians. Um, and um, ultimately 75 of them were recruited to work in the children's centre. They all did two years' worth of intensive training in early years, um, care and education. Um, and that, that, that was hugely transformative um, because just issues like how we promote child development um, and how we maybe handle children's behaviour and, and not smacking children and, you know, how we promote and encourage learning. Seeing those skills debated and questioned and critiqued and then embraced and then implemented, that has been incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, so to see children learning through play in a good quality environment that blows me away on a daily basis. Um, and, and there's countless, countless children's lives have been changed through that, not through my efforts at all, through the efforts of the team, which is the, the vital thing. In terms of employment and our tailors and jobs in Beehive, it's, it's, it's everything. And I love working with the team. They embrace training and development and learning so wholeheartedly and so joyfully and then they have to get you know three minibuses home from work sometimes and go back and do the things that you might picture as being traditional you know African in a way I guess they do have to go and get water from a from a communal tap in the village they they do have to you know cook over an open fire and they may not have electricity in their homes and and to see people earning a living and being able to invest in their own families that's incredible wow 
I think we should start doing video podcasts because um, I'm so touched and I'm smiling now listening to you. <laughs> this is just uh, a fabulous story from so many facets of it. And um, I love how authentic that is. I love how you kind of stumbled upon it, but you, um, without knowing you hit all the um, criteria, I guess, of successful brand building but also at the same time it goes beyond that and now I'm, i'll remove my uh, business commercial hat it's just touching lives and changing lives and impacting communities it's so beautiful to hear that and um it definitely makes you gives you a reason to wake up in the morning you know absolutely yeah that that yes definitely and it's i, I don't think i could work Personally, I couldn't work in any other way. You know, I would find it very, very difficult to, to sell a belt if, if it wasn't for another purpose as well. Um, and, and I think that it, it is doing, doing good with the money we make, I think, is an essential part of life. I, I, I literally can't see any other way. We, we make mistakes along the way. We're not perfect. We stumbled through it all. It was a good word to use, stumble. Um, yeah. But I do think overall it's, it's a positive change for a lot of people. Um, and I hope that um, by doing it in a way that invests and builds skills, we're leaving something for the future. I love it. I think we're going to have to do another uh, episode with you because this is so, so interesting. Um, <laughs> You know, we came across another brand that does something interesting and it kind of reminded me of you guys. So they're called Kite Pride. They're based in Israel. They work, to work with local population, uh, ex-women who were worked in prostitution and they help them get out of the prostitution ring. They upcycle um, the sails from kite surfing. Wow. And they turned them into bags and kids from a school, from like an art school, a design school, created designs. So beautiful belts and backpacks and wallets. And um, it, it kind of reminded me of, it's the same model of cycle of good, right? It's like mm -hmm. upcycle something, take um, a part of the population that needs help and connect it with creativity and design and product building and wrap it all up in a story that people can connect with and then grow it as a brand. So it's kind of like um, interesting. We, we only found one more sort of uh, non-profit or for-profit brand that does something similar to you. Maybe there are more, but um, it's interesting. Like uh, we believe that this is definitely how the future is going to look like. These are the brands that are going to make it. They're going to stand out. I hope so. And that sounds like an incredible project and I think that or an incredible business I think there are lots more I think um, it's it's difficult for any brand to to stand out in today's busy world um, and that tends to be dominated by by the bigger names that we all recognize um, and I but I think um, the way commerce is happening now a lot happening online, And, and that, you know, being able to retail online as well as, you know, get into some independent shops, that's, that's changed, you know, 
it, it's, it's not a question now of support, independent and local, and that meaning walking to your high street. I think the internet is breaking down those barriers so you can support independent, non-profit and local and open that up to the world at the same time. Um, you know, the mechanisms that are, are in place now for people to be able to do that. So I think it will only grow and grow and grow. You know, the, the internet doesn't need to be one marketplace. It can be a marketplace for millions and millions of small independents that are trying to do good with the money. And that would be an incredible thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, music to my ears. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> our mission at Sapia. Um, so in response to the pandemic, I know that you've expanded your product line and the way you think of um, you know, your products and I guess upcycling in a way. Um, maybe talk to us a bit about Masiki. I think that's the name of the new product and what are your plans for the future? Um, yeah, okay. So um, it's to start with, I mean, my heart just goes out to everybody who's been touched negatively by this year. It's It's been tough. It's been tough for us because, like you say, we sell into um, high street shops around the UK and obviously they yeah. had to close. Um, so it did have a really quite a big negative impact on our on our income streams. We were benefited by the, the UK upsurge in popularity of cycling um, with our elephant bikes. That, so that really carried us through. But it also made us realise that we we have to, um, you know, we have to broaden what we do um, in order to secure our financial future. Um, and um, we came across a, a remarkable company called Project Plan B, um, and one of the team actually used to live and work in Malawi and his, his heart is still there. This is the problem with Malawi is once you've been, you can't leave. Um, mm. And so he always wanted to do some work there too. And um, we hooked up with them to Project Plan B. What they do is they create fabric out of um, waste plastics. And um, so they make the, the building blocks of fabric and they make the fabrics, and that's typically used for workwear and things like that. And the beauty of these fabrics is that once you're done with them, you can return them and they get 100% recycled with zero waste back into the building blocks of fabric again. Um, and that chimed really, really closely with, um, obviously, our recycling philosophy. And so we worked with them and they helped us a lot in developing Masiki, which is a little range of face coverings, um, which obviously are a necessary part of everybody's life now. Um, and we saw a lot of face coverings and masks and neck nudes and things coming onto the market. And we thought, we've, we've got to do a good one. You know, there has to be a good one um, there. Um, and so Masiki is 100% recycled. It's 100% recyclable. So once you um, have finished with your mask, you can send it back to us and we will make sure it's recycled and give you a discount off another mask. Um, and um, obviously it's reusable, so it's washable. And it has this antimicrobial treatment on it that lasts for 30-odd washes, which helps to keep the fabric clean. Um, so it's been a really, really exciting project 
and we really wanted to get it off the ground quickly. Um, so what we did once we decided on the design and the colours and everything else, we actually got a batch of them made in the UK, which is really unusual for us. Um, but it's just the first batch and it just meant we could quickly get to market. Um, but what we've done is we've invested in all of the fabrics, the adapters for the sewing machines, the threads, the needles, the labels, the bags, and we've shipped all of that out to Malawi. Um, and actually what we hope to do, and I'm touching wood now because this is very early days, what we hope to do is use the face covering project as a way of creating 100 tailoring apprenticeships in Malawi. Um, so the, wow. the, the idea is that local people will be able to do their diploma in tailoring and instead of paying fees for the course, which they normally pay a low, you know, an affordable, but still it's a fee, um, they would earn some money by doing some work, making the face coverings that would pay for their course and give them some money in their pocket. So it's an earn and learn model. Um, and we think we can create 100 apprentice style placements like this, making the masks. Um, so they'll be coming back from Malawi. Um, and so you'll know that your face covering has created an apprentice placement. It's recycled. It's reusable. It's not going to go into the waste stream. And all of the money that we make obviously goes straight back into the project as well. Um, there's, there's a bigger story. Our, our eyes are bigger than our tummy on this. Um, <laughs> As always. <laughs> ideally, what we'd really, really like to do is actually set up the recycling plant in Malawi. So we would like to oh. be creating fabrics from waste materials um, and potentially even recycling cotton as well in Malawi. Um, so can you come back in about five years and chat to us then and we'll <laughs> talk to you about how recycling in Malawi is going? I don't think you'll be able to hold me off for that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're probably going to talk again in a few weeks or months, but um, um, I love it. I think you're like... Um, you know, everything that you describe, you're definitely a mission-driven organization. And um, you, without knowing it, I guess, creating a wonderful brand story. And at the same time, also really, really helping people's lives, communities and individuals. And um, I think it's beautiful. And I think, um, you know, more business... What I love about it is that there are so many brands in our community that... Um, are trying to make something, make a product. And yet you are, although things are difficult sometimes, you're already selling in a hundred stores and you're developing more product lines. And, you know, one has to look at that and ask, how does that happen? So many people are struggling just to get into their first store. So I love that, you know, you have an authentic agenda to do good, and that authentic agenda and your mission is helping you also cut through the noise and you can actually build a business out of it. So it's easy to miss, but I think that it's definitely not only a wonderful contribution to the world, which is undoubtedly super important, but it's also a great way to do business. It's, um, it's, it's a collective effort of a lot of good people. Um, and and people that have made sacrifices and worked their socks off for this, 
Um, I think anybody can do it. I think it takes hard work and it takes dedication and authenticity. Um, it, it, but it, it is possible. It is possible to use a brand to create change. I agree. Yeah, it's almost like digging deeper, right? And finding what you care about and then just going with that, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I genuinely don't know any other way of doing it. Um, and you know, it, 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 is, it is about getting those people around you and, and working together that can make things happen. Um, and, and I've just been lucky to be part of all of this. Lovely. Lovely. Okay, so I think uh, we're coming to an end today. And um, let me just say that for me, it was um, an eye-opening experience. I knew the story at a high level. Um, I'm so happy that we took a deeper dive. And I learned about the background and how it was started and how sort of um, authentic and naive it was at the beginning and how amazingly it developed. I think that it's a source of inspiration for me and for so many other brands and retailers and people who are listening to us right now. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to see definitely more businesses adopt these models and create those really authentic, meaningful contributions, impact, and stories. And um, I guess if people want to know more about you, so it's Cycle of Good, you have a website, uh, you have an Instagram page, Cycle of Good. You're also on Sapia Wholesale Community, if they want to buy from you. Mm-hmm. Um, where else, if they want to know more and connect with you, if they have an idea, what, what do you suggest? Um, to start with, visit the website. <laughs> you know, um, visit the website, read the story, um, shout out. We're, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us your ideas, give us your feedback. Um, ask questions um, you know we, we want to talk this, um, it's the only way to, to create change um, so yeah get in touch please so deep I agree that's the only way to create change um, thank you George I really had a, an amazing time with you today I hope um, that you managed to get your beer delivery and enjoy our conversation and um, I can't wait to connect again you know just let me know when I've, i feel like you've been far too generous this morning lad but thank you very much i've really enjoyed it <laughs> thank you okay bye bye everyone bye